show episode number 244 my name is john morgan cold coffee is not with me but it's for a very very good reason this is a special thanksgiving day edition we always sit down and record the mma road show on thursday nights this week no different even though it's thanksgiving here in the states and uh, i am home in las vegas cold coffee is on vacation he took some days off this week Traveled out to Tennessee, I believe, uh, to, to see some family out there. He's got you know, family traveling in from different parts, and they're all getting together to, to spend a few days together. I know they don't get a chance to do that very often, so uh, definitely wanted to let him take some time off, enjoy it. Should say he will be editing the podcast. He will be putting it online and getting it uploaded to the, the servers and the websites and all that good stuff where it needs to go. Uh, so I, he's doing a little bit of work. But I felt it was only right to make sure you got to enjoy that family time and, uh, you know, not have to record a segment or track down any audio or anything like that. So you're stuck with me for one more week. Uh, Thanksgiving Day is in the books. Like I said, Thursday evening at this time in Las Vegas. Uh, Got up and and worked a shift this morning. I I let everybody else take off at at MMA Junkie except for, uh, shout out to Simon Head uh, over in England and Farah Hanoun. In Egypt, uh, they worked with me today at MMA Junkie. Of course, in their countries, uh, Thanksgiving is not not a holiday, just another day. So they were willing to sacrifice and uh, give up their Thanksgiving <laughs> in order to help help us work. And uh, all the American staff got to take off. And then uh, in thanks for that, I, I always volunteer to work Thanksgiving uh, in return for having Christmas Eve off. Uh, because my wife, it's a, Christmas Eve is kind of a, a big deal to her. So that's when I get my day off. But worked a full shift and then uh, cooked a little turkey, mashed potatoes, you know, some pumpkin pie. You know, all the all the stuff that you do on Thanksgiving. But we did it real small scale, just me and my wife, my son. I uh, had a couple friends over. That was kind of a last-second decision. But they were just hanging out by themselves too. So we decided to all do it together a little bit. Uh, enjoyed that for a little bit. Tried to watch a, a little bit of football uh, as a as a Dallas native and therefore a, a Dallas Cowboys football fan. You always get to enjoy watching the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. But, uh, yeah, this one was not quite as enjoyable. <laughs> Cowboys did not play well today, but, hey, we move on. We're we're MMA fans. We're not we're not we're not big into the NFL, into the football anyway. We watch a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was a little frustrating. Uh, thought it was just going to be a pretty simple little afternoon. Just sit down, and talk some 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 basics, uh, some simple things. But then of course we got breaking news right in the middle of the day. Uh, UFC President Dana White reaching out to ESPN's Brett Okamoto to let him know that Conor McGregor and Donald Cowboy Cerrone is set. For UFC 246 on January 18th in Las Vegas. So now we kind of got a better idea of what that that first quarter is going to look like. Because, you know, that card, we knew we knew we had a card targeted for January 18th. And, of course, um, we had a lot of the matchups set. By the way, Farah Hanoun, Nolan King, uh, the two of them were, were, were cranking out a, a lot of fight announcements, man. Breaking a lot of fights for the, for the card. So we knew that, uh, you know, we had an event coming. We just didn't know if it was going to be a pay-per-view or a fight night because my understanding was if for whatever reason they couldn't get this Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone fight done in time, uh, they were going to you know have to have to shift some plans around a little bit, make this a fight night, 
and that would make the February event in Houston, USC 246. I had also heard that you know there was a potential to move this card out of Las Vegas as well, um, but everything got done. The big fight happened. It is a pay-per-view, and now we got another big event in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. So that's fantastic because you know we got USC 245 here December 14th, just a couple weeks. That's going to be a, a fantastic card. And then we've got uh, 246 right here in uh, our backyard in Las Vegas as well. So uh, excited to see that get done. Excited to kind of now have a better understanding of what the first quarter schedule is, is looking like. And listen, um, I'm happy this fight is, is happening. To me, um, this is this is the right fight. And key to point out, I guess, it is a welterweight fight. It's a 170-pound fight, and, and I've seen – some negative reaction out, you know, people saying, "Hey, listen, it's you know I, the, the fact that it's welterweight." Now I'm not, I'm not excited about it, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't get that. I, I don't understand that logic at all, um, because you know, listen, this is two uh, stalwarts of, of the lightweight division. I mean, Conor McGregor, you know, former champion of the division, obviously a two division champion, but former champ of the division, massive star in the sport. You know, Cowboy Cerrone, the the, any, the, the, the living embodiment of, of anybody, anytime, anywhere. You know, the guy that, that says, listen, I just I just want to put on an exciting fights so that people say, you know, when Cowboy Cerrone is fighting, I got to find a way to watch it. You know, if I'm driving down the, the street, I'll, I'm going to pull over in my, in my car, my RV or whatever, and I'm going to make sure I see this fight. I mean, that's Cowboy Cerrone. And you can't tell me that this isn't going to impact what happens next at 155 pounds because it just – it will – these names have been around forever in the division. Yes, they've ventured outside of it a little bit. Of course, Connors go all the way back to 145 pounds. But these two guys have been around this division for a while. And it's going to impact what happens next. Uh, and and I don't think either one of these is, is permanent for welterweight. I mean, I, I think they both you know like having the option of doing it. But to me, this is just two guys that, that don't want to have to cut weight. You know, and... Yes, it's about seven weeks out from now, so it's a little short. I mean, most most people tell you they want eight weeks, and so we're not quite getting eight weeks. So maybe that factored into a little bit. But also, listen, you got the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving's going on. You got Christmas coming up a little bit, and you know, not not that these two guys are just going to be you know gorging on on the holidays or whatever, but getting a chance to enjoy those holidays with their families. I'm sure they'd appreciate that a little bit more. So it doesn't bother me that much. That this is happening at 170. I don't. I, I don't feel like it's a situation where one of these guys is is going up to 170 and facing another guy that's an absolute giant that they have no business of of, of being in the cage with. You know, no, no, just two lightweights that aren't going to cut weight. I don't have a problem with it. So I, I, I just don't understand the line of thinking that, that the people have an issue with it. But that said, I, 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 I like the fight for that reason. But the other thing is, is I just I like this matchup. I really, really do, and and I like it for several reasons. First of all, if I'm Conor McGregor, this is the right fight. We've talked about it here on the road show. What's the fight you'd book? It'd be this one. Um, Conor's in a very unique situation right now. Still the biggest star, no question about it. Uh, the biggest star in MMA, but he needs a win. He needs a win, and it's been over three years. You know, it's it's, it's been a while. Uh, since his scintillating win over Eddie Alvarez. That's a while back. And he needs a win. Now, would he still remain a star even if he loses? He, of course he would. Of course he would. But I think this is 
the best matchup possible for him. Now, I don't find it to be a gimme matchup. I'll readily admit I am a Cowboy Cerrone homer. <laughs> if you if you listen to the MMA Roadshow for long, you know uh, that that's the case. Uh, I've just I've I've always enjoyed watching the guy fight from his WC days on. I find him to be an interesting character, an interesting personality. Um, count me as a fan uh, of Donald Cerrone. You know he's my uh, he's my go-to answer. And people say, "Oh, who's your favorite fighter?" I mean, the truth of the matter is, it's hard to have a favorite fighter, man. We come in contact with so many great men and women. And, and we see so many great fights, and we all over the world, and we've been doing this for so long. But you know, that's kind of a, a cop out answer if you're talking to people over a frosty beverage, or maybe you're doing a you know a quick radio interview or something like that. So Cowboy Cerrone is kind of my 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 go-to answer, and it's not you know necessarily a uh, a fake answer. I mean, I, I like guys like him, the living embodiment of anybody, anytime, anywhere. I love it. So I don't think that this is just some kind of walkover fight for Conor McGregor. Cowboy Cerrone is dangerous. Now, yes, he's had setbacks, and he has not looked phenomenal as of late, but he's still dangerous. And so I think I, I think that this is not necessarily an easy fight. Now, that said, it's the fight I wanted to see. Habib Nurmagomedov. I know Conor McGregor wanted the rematch with Habib Nurmagomedov. I can respect the fact that Connor wanted to get in there with Habib again. I I I love that about Connor. That type of confidence. It's a, it's the type that you have to have. I mean to to think, hey man, you know, if I had just made one little adjustment, if I just changed this just a touch, I could have beaten Habib Nurmagomedov. Now, personally, I don't really believe that, and, and I don't mean that as any disrespect to Conor McGregor, but I just think Habib is an awful stylistic matchup for him. I always have, and I've always said it. I believe that Habib beats Conor McGregor nearly every time they fight if they you know if they if they fought a hundred times it's just a it's just a bad matchup for him um so I, I can respect Conor for wanting that rematch but it's not the fight that I wanted to see um throwing Tony Ferguson out there as a potential opponent for Conor McGregor don't hate the fight don't hate the fight now again another tough one for Conor McGregor you know given the stylistic matchup but also Tony Ferguson has Got to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. Not just because we got to see that fight. Not just because we've been trying to see it forever. But just because Tony Ferguson deserves a damn title fight. You can't skip him over again. You just can't. Um, Dustin Poirier. I, I would have I, I been okay with that. I do think Dustin Poirier is a different monster than when they fought the first time around. But Connor does own a win over him. And, you know, maybe there's still some mental games he can play there. Maybe there's a little psychology that he can glean out of that and, and I, I, I you know I hope they do meet up again I think the rematch will be great I, I think that would have been a suitable fit here as well um Justin Gaethje is a fight that I don't think Conor McGregor would would, would fare too well and if I'm being honest with you I, I think that's a bad matchup for him as well um the the, the, the striking is there yes I, I do think um because of the way Justin chooses to fight Connor would have a better chance against him than he would against somebody like Khabib Nurmagomedov, but I do think Justin Gaethje would have the edge, uh, especially if he were to turn to that wrestling. I, I don't know if he would. He likes to, he likes to swang and bang, as, as Derek Lewis says. So, um, but I, I think that would be a tough match too. So for me, in terms of star power and in terms of the matchmaking, I think this fight with Donald Cerrone was absolutely the fight to make for Conor McGregor. 
Um, and, and I'm glad that they were able to get it done. It, it's a big moment in his career, man. It's a big moment in Conor McGregor's career. He needs a win. If he loses, I mean, still a star. You just can't deny what a star the guy is, man. It, I, I, I can tell you as a website operator the numbers that he generates. I mean, if you, if you track pay-per-view buys at all and that sort of thing, you, you see it. Um, he would still remain a star. And there would be people, I think, that follow him almost blindly at this point. You know, they, they really would. Um, but I think he needs to win, man. It's It's been a while. It's been a while, you know. Um, two and two in his last four MMA fights. Ah, you know, also the, 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 the loss scattered in there to Floyd Mayweather as well. I mean, make what you will out of that. I mean, that was crazy and it made him rich. So it was definitely worth it, man. He changed his life. He changed his whole family's life and his, his heir's life. Um, so good for him for chasing after But I do feel like Conor McGregor is in need of a win right now. And, and I don't know that just coming in, you know, if it's, epic fight of the year type stuff and he comes up short via split decision you know I, that's not gonna that's not gonna hurt conor mcgregor that's not gonna hurt his marketability or impact it but you know, if he goes out there and for some reason gets pieced up in the opening round and i'm not saying that's what i'm rec- you know what i'm predicting will happen but if something like that happens i, I don't know man I, I don't know i mean where where, where would his motivation stand and, and then where do other people feel like you know they want to they want to call the guy out. I mean, kick the guy while he's down. So I I don't know. I, I feel like this is a big moment for Conor McGregor. I really really do. And then I'm just happy for 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 Cowboy Cerrone because we've learned that what comes along with this with this fight is a new deal as well. Um, and that's good because it means that it is a money fight for Cowboy Cerrone. You know he he was the one that was always saying along, and he wasn't wrong. Of you know, people, oh, hey, do you want that money fight with Conor McGregor? You say, why is it a money fight? You know, I got a contract. I get paid what I get paid. It doesn't matter. Um, and he's right. If you don't negotiate a new deal, it's not a money fight. But you know, pay per view headliner, you got to think he's getting points, even though this is a non-title fight. Conor McGregor generates points. You know, he generates pay per view buys. So. Um, Big moment, man. Big moment for Cowboy Cerrone, too. So you got to be happy for him. Um, and there you go. It's done. It's done. I, I'm excited about it, man. I really am. It, it'll be a great way to kick off the new year. You know, I did see some some people, uh, at least in our comment section, MMA Junkie, kind of complaining about the card and saying, well, listen, I don't, man, I don't know about this. Um, I'm surprised. I think the card's pretty decent. Conor McGregor, Cowboy Cerrone is your headliner. I mean, come on, that's going to get um, that's going to get a lot of attention. Um, you know, Anthony Pettis and Diego Fajardo is on there. Macy Barber and Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, that's a great one as well. Um, you know, listen, the, the, Claudia Gadelia, Alexa Grasso is on there. Andre Feely, Sadiq Yusuf's on. I mean, there's some good fights to me. I really think there are. Um, I guess I understand. I don't know. I, I guess there's always going to be criticism and maybe look at it up here. I mean, there's still fights to be announced. Let's let's make that clear, too. There's still fights to be booked. But uh, I, don't, I don't really have an issue with the card. Um, I mean, uh, you know, as, as a pay-per-view, maybe maybe people are going to say, ah, if they, you know, if they, they don't have another, another uh, you know, a title fight on there or something like that. But um, I'll be interested to see what people's attitude is because let's not forget, 
there will be a four-week stretch with no UFCs. You know, after UFC 245, uh, then on December 21st, you've got uh, the, the fight night over in South Korea, Busan, and then you got four weeks until you, until this event, UFC 246. So we'll, we'll see if people are, uh, you know, pining a little bit for for some MMA at that point. You know, everybody talks about oversaturation. There's ah, there's too much MMA. There's too much MMA. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what people are thinking uh, after that four-week stretch. I, I like it. I'm, I'm actually really happy about having the four weeks in a row with no UFC event. I mean, we're still going to have some Bellator in there, some PFL. Um, but I love the fact that we're not going to have to work on Christmas week. Working, working a, a, you know, a big UFC event, it's tough. You're trying to balance that out with being with your family and, uh, you know, on Christmas. And especially once you have a kid, man, it just it's uh, it's challenging. So selfishly, uh, I am pretty excited about the break that we're going to have and that we're not doing that uh, that work on, on Christmas week. But, we, you know, we're getting a little a little pause in the action. So we'll see what people think about the card. But there you go, UFC 246. Let's get it announced officially. Let's get it. Let's, let's hopefully there's some media uh, sessions coming and uh, start getting the interest. Because, you know, I, I tell you, there were a lot of people, even on our staff, that were getting Connor fatigue of talking about, ah, oh, he's tweeting this, he's saying that, he's tweeting that, he's saying this. But at least he has a fight book. At least he has a fight book. Now, guess you can't talk about the fight, you know, without saying, you know, there are some allegations of sexual abuse. Um, with you know him as the center of the investigation over in Ireland, not a lot of details known because of the way the Irish crime system uh, or judicial system works, I should say. He will have to be asked about it. You know, um, we're gonna have to ask the UFC about it. Uh, you know, wh- why do you feel comfortable booking him uh, under circumstances like this? But uh, important to note as well: innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty, and. Uh, We'll get to more on that in a little in a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't want to get into that right now. I, we'll, we'll have to talk about that though. But uh, listen, it, it will have to be addressed. That's all I'll say. It will have to be addressed, and we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly bring it up. Uh, listen, last time I talked to you, wrapping up uh, uh, with, with CFFC eighty, man. The, the the last week out, I was over at Joint Base Langley Eustis, and had a fun fight card. Uh, we ended up having uh, nine fights and nine finishes. So the prelims were all finishes. The main card was all finishes. It was a lot of fun. Very, very exciting night. Very, very cool atmosphere, man. We were in the, the hangar there, uh, a little, you know, right on the, the airfield. Um, there were all these, you know, helicopters and stuff land, landed out there and around it. And the fighters were actually walking in through a Chinook helicopter. They had like the, the bay door open and they'd walk out and there's kind of smoke coming out through there. Um, really, really cool. It's on UFC Fight Pass. So if you haven't checked it out, please do CFFC 80. That's Cage Fury Fighting Championships 80. Fight for the troops. Myself, CM Punk, and Jessica Penne were on the call. Um, and it was it was kind of, it was fun too because we we did things a little bit different this time. There was no backstage area because we're not like in a hotel or a, an event area. I mean we're 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 in a, a hangar. So since there wasn't um, a backstage area for Jessica Penne to do her interviews, she ended up doing the uh, interviews in cage all night except for the main event. CM Punk did the main event, but she did all the rest of them. Um, and she did a great job. It was the first time doing it. She did a great job, but. You know, rather than have her just sit around and wait on that, she jumped in our, our booth as well. So we had a three-man booth going. 
with myself, CM Punk, and Jessica Penne, and that was a lot of fun. I thought I thought they were they were great, man. They're both very very knowledgeable. I mean, I know people like to take shots at CM Punk for his UFC career, but the guy is knowledgeable on the game. Still trains actively um, and, and does a, a really good job. And um, you know, comes in, does his research, talks to the fighters, you know, gets little you know nuggets here and there. So it was fun. And of course, uh, you know, Jessica Penne has been fighting at a high level for for a long time, former Invicta champ, uh, fought in the UFC. So anyway, she's she's been around, been there, done that. She's got some great knowledge as well. So, you know, wrestling game, especially very very sharp. So um, it was fun. It was fun. I really really enjoyed it. Like I said, check it out on uh, UFC Fight Pass if you have not. A couple, I mean, like I said, a couple of real you know quickly just you know big moments of the night. Other than you know as a whole, just being pretty fantastic. Uh, with the atmosphere, like I said, the troops were in there. They were loud. They were having a good time. Uh, their leadership was actually pretty fun as well. Their commander got on the mic for a little while. She got them all riled up. So it was fun. Um, but uh, in addition to just finishes galore, which always makes it fun, uh, the main event, Mike Biggie Rhodes picked up a, a win over Najim Wali, former UFC welterweight, of course. Fights more at middleweight now, but uh, on, on kind of shorter notice type fights and opportunities like this, he said, look, I'll, I'll fight at 205 pounds. I'm not saying it's necessarily where I need to to be at all times, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll take some, some light heavyweight fights. But Najim Wali is uh, uh, is is a, is a beast, man. He's a big dude. He's a legitimate 205er. And and Biggie Rhodes, you could tell the opening round. You know, he was trying to counter a little bit, and he was he was running into some trouble. And it, I did not like the shots he was taking. Low kicks, you know, big punches. Um, and it, it you know he dropped the opening round. It wasn't looking good. And uh, you could you could see, I think, a, a little bit of a look on his face, like. Yeah, man, I think I got a little bit more than I bargained for here. Um, but he made some adjustments going to the second round. You know, I can't remember if it was Punk or Penny that we talked about. Say, you know, what kind of adjustments do you got to make going into round two? Um, and, and they, you know, both say, hey, you got to be first, man. I know you like to counter, but it's not going to work today. Not against, a, not against a guy like this. And sure enough, he came out and he was first to the punch. And uh, 55 seconds into the second round, he got the knockout, claimed the vacant light heavyweight title. And then it was a cool, cool moment because he, uh, he, he, uh, you know, he's, he's celebrating. I mean, he's, you know, he pulls off uh, the win. He turns around and uh, he, he connects eyes with Punk, basically. And uh, Punk is standing up. You know, he's uh, celebrating the win, too. He's excited. I mean, he's, you know, he, listen, Punk tried to stay unbiased the whole time. He admitted, uh, you know, hey, this is my teammate, but I'm going to call it right down the middle. Uh, but he got excited. You know, I kind of almost think back to that, that famous picture uh, of John Anik, you know, standing up when Daniel Cormier was victorious. You know, uh, not only was it just an exciting finish, so so you're pumped up, and as an announcer, sometimes you just can't help but like, oh, my God, hands on the head or stand or whatever. But then it's somebody you know really well as well. So Punk kind of stands up, and Rhodes turns around, and, and just I, I think it's the first person he sees. I don't I don't know that he was actually looking for Punk. I think we were just kind of opposite direction, and he, he stood, stepped back, did a 180, locked eyes with him. I mean, it was just this intense scowl on his face and like half celebration, half like just, you know, primordial, you know, that kind of stuff, um, and, 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 and locked eyes and kind of walked to him, and, uh, man, it was it was cool, so to be standing there right next to it and kind of watch it all unfold, it was really, really cool, uh, and then had a chance to talk to, to Mike Rhodes afterwards, of course, knew him from his UFC run, um, but it was cool to see him pick up that win at 205 pounds. Now, 
How long he'll want to defend that light heavyweight title, I do not know. <laughs> because now he's seeing some big boys at light heavyweight. But like I said, worth checking out on, on CFFC 80. Um, the other the other big moment was uh, William Knight, the UFC signee, came off Dana White's contender series, got the UFC developmental deal. Um, he lost. <laughs> he lost. He suffered a, a first-round loss uh, to Tafan Chukwi, uh, who was 2-0 and coming in. But just impressed the heck out of us all week. Now, I want to preface this by saying the stoppage was awful. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. It was early. Um, CM Punk made some. He made some pretty good case for for why maybe it was okay. Knight did go down in kind of a weird position. He went to the ground. Um, and, and he was kind of tripoded out with his hands out wide, and he looked like he was trying to duck his head a little bit. If you can imagine, you know, again, he's on his knees, he's tripoded, his head is kind of tripod on the ground, his arms are out wide, and it looks like he's kind of trying to shrug his shoulders a little bit to use that as defense on the side of the head, um, and he kind of tucks the head a little bit as well because uh, Tafan Chukwi is, is, is trying to deliver some punches. Um it just didn't look right to me. I, I And I do understand what Punk is saying. We watched the replays, and I, I do understand where he was coming from, and, and I do appreciate fighter safety. But to me, it looked like the fight got stopped early. And William Knight certainly certainly uh, felt that way. <laughs> he protested. Uh, former colleague uh, Ben Folks, uh, I think, has kind of coined the, the phrase, the, the what-the-fuck test, meaning that, um, you know, if the fighter immediately after the referee, you know, stops the action, turns to him and goes, what the fuck, um, the, the, the stoppage was early. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a funny way to measure it, but very, very true. Um, William Knight protested immediately. So looked a little early, but I, but I, so I preface it by saying all that because I also want to say William Knight was not winning this fight. It wasn't as if he was dominating and then in some freak moment, you know, Tafan Shukui catches him with something, um, and, and and then the fight stopped early. It was not that way. Tafan Chukwi impressed us all week with his uh, with his confidence. And man, it's just one of those times where a guy's not nervous. He's not caught up by the moment. Um, knew his opponent, respected his opponent. wasn't trying to trash talk him, but just said, "Man, I've, I've seen this guy on the regional scene. We've crossed paths out here. I knew I was going to fight him, and now it's happening." Um, big win. For Tafan Chukwi. So if you were like me, that was somebody that was impressed by William Knight, I would say put Tafan Chukwi on your on your, your your radar as well. Somebody you want to keep an eye on. Um the guy is the guy's definitely worth worth watching. So uh <laughs> one 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 last funny story about, about CFFC. Um <laughs> I uh and I, I watched it back and I was like, dude, it was as bad as I thought it was <laughs> during the opening. It was a little chilly, so we're in this hangar. And the doors are open, and it's, it was a little cold. Like, uh, you know, normally I, I take my jacket off, you know, wear a coat and tie. But, uh, man, I'm not a suit guy. I think anybody that, that knows me is probably pretty pretty aware. I'm not a suit guy, man. I'm a, I'm a polo and shorts kind of guy. T-shirt if I'm not working. Um, so normally, you know, I, I do the open, and I take my jacket off immediately so I can be a little bit more comfortable in just a shirt and tie. But it was so chilly, like, I kept my jacket on uh, cage side the whole time. So um, just, you know, it wasn't horrible, but um, apparently the other side of the cage, we were told, was way warmer. But we, we where we were sitting, I guess there was just a draft or something. Poor Jessica Penne was wearing a, a dress, and, you know, she was, she was putting a coat on. 
uh, every time she would walk back over. But, you know, she said she was freezing. She said her legs were basically numb by the end of the night because she didn't have any way of covering them. But anyway, so it's, it's a little cold. And, you know, as you're calling the fights, you're getting into it. No, no big deal. Your focus is really on that, right? But um, after the after the, the final prelim, you know, we, we had a little bit of spare time until we shot the open. And I don't know, I just got a little chilly, I guess, you know, while it was going on. And I was kind of shaking a little bit. Uh you know, just not, not bad, but you get a little, little bit of a, little bit of a sh- shudder there when you, when you're, uh, you know, when you're cold. But we go to do the opening. It's myself and CM Punk, and we go to the open and we're doing it live. And uh, <laughs> I said, my mouth just wouldn't work right. Damn it, my mouth would not work right. And I, I didn't mean to say it, but I said, I basically said, "Welcome to Fort Useless." <laughs> felt like such an idiot and I could hear it coming out of my mouth I could hear the words coming out of my mouth and thought you idiot like here we are guests on this military installation on this special fight for the troops and instead of Fort Eustace you called it Fort Useless so uh definitely the worst open I've ever had um I I I, I was telling the staff about it in my junk guest that I'll chalk it up to to uh It'll be like my Bill Superfoot Wallace moment where he burps as the opening is, is happening at UFC 1. So I was pretty embarrassed by that. But uh, fortunately, I think we recovered decent enough the rest of the night. Um, yeah, had a good time. Uh, the first show for CFFC next year is February 1st at the Parks Casino uh, in the, uh, just outside the Philadelphia area. Uh, three title fights are going to be on the line there. Um, and hopefully I'll be on the mic. We don't have the 2020 schedule yet, but, uh, fingers crossed. I'll be, I'll be calling this fight. because I really do enjoy getting out there and calling the fight. So, um, man, uh, there's no easy way to, to, to really transition, uh, in or, or, or out of this, but I mentioned talking about innocent until proven guilty earlier. And, you know, at this by this point, I think anybody that's been following the news has seen that um, Anaya Blanchard um, is, is 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 confirmed dead at this point. Of course, that is the stepdaughter of, of USC heavyweight. Um, man, I just I don't. Walt Harris is one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet. I mean, really one of the nicest guys that you'll ever, ever, ever come in contact with. Um, and it, it it wouldn't matter if he wasn't. <laughs> it wouldn't matter if he was the biggest a-hole in the face of the planet. Um, as a father, you know, the loss of a child is just incomprehensible. And, um, you know, I... I you know, I saw some assholes, and there's no other word for it, assholes, uh, in our comment section, you know, say, ah, it's just his stepdaughter. Like, he was sick. I, mean, I, I banned him right away. I mean, just kicked him off. I mean, what? Ridiculous. Um, but this is just awful, you know, and I can't, I can't imagine. It's, you know, he was supposed to headline next week in Washington, D.C., and n- not that that matters, but it's just 
at a time when it seemed like his life, man, everything was starting to click. You know, everything was was starting to happen for him, man. And you know, he's a guy that's always worn his heart on his sleeve and been open and honest about his struggles and the difficulties and his rocky beginning in the UFC. And 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 it finally felt like he was starting to get on a roll. And now this is something that can just take your life apart, you know. Um, and I and I and I hope that he's able to find some way to to battle through this, and, the, and that he and his family are able to somehow emerge on the other side of this. Um, because again, tragedy like this is just incomprehensible. Um, just a couple of things that stand out to me about this. First of all, in life, and and I'll and I'll I'll be honest too. Sometimes I'm guilty of saying, um, "Don't get involved, stay out of the way," you know. But there was a witness that didn't say anything at the time of, and and the witness came back and said something later. But there was a witness who saw her being forced into her car against her will, and didn't say anything. And I get it. I'm not heaping blame on this person. Who could imagine the tragedy that was about to unfold? Nobody thinks that. But if you see something that's out of the norm, that doesn't seem right, say something to somebody. That's what the police are there for, is to go investigate and see if there is something wrong. Maybe there was nothing wrong, but that's what they're there for. Say something, man. Maybe this could have saved her life. And again, I'm, I, I'm not blaming this person. They are not the one responsible for this. But they maybe could have prevented it. And that's sad to say. That's sad to think of. But what also stands out to me is that it is so wrong that this guy, this monster that apparently kidnapped and murdered Anaya Blanchard, was on the streets despite having been facing some very, very serious crimes prior I mean how can you be charged with kidnapping and, and, and then be be out how is that possible it's just it, it it's beyond understanding it's beyond it just it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense um, attempted murder kidnapping he was charged with these things and he was out on bail innocent until proven guilty i understand that but there's got to be a limit to that there's got to be a limit to that um there there's there's going to be legislation i hope coming out there's a there's a petition that's out there um that to to to, to make a law in anaya's name that says listen if you are if you are um charged with these crimes you you can't be out on the streets and i understand that's going to frustrate some people and upset some people you know again innocent until proven guilty right to a speedy trial all, all those things i understand that but it, it, i don't know man I, I feel like you give up some rights when you get charged with something like that and i understand somebody can probably have a really good argument with me and i won't even try to say that you're wrong, to say, oh, but John, you know, this could be abused. You know, what if people are falsely accused and then they're not allowed back on the streets while they await trial? You know what, man? That There's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for that. 
but this does not seem right to me. And and I think there's going to be, you know, hopefully some legislation. Hopefully this this will open some eyes and get some people talking to say that, man, this doesn't make sense. we got to fix this part of our legal system. But I, I go through all that to say this. I, I am not a very political person. Um, I'll be honest. I don't I don't vote a whole lot. <laughs> you know, I, I I vote in the big presidential elections and those sort of things, but to to get out and get involved in all the other ones, I I don't. And you know what? I absolutely should. What what this represents to me is a lot of times people people don't really want to get involved with something or or want to change something until it affects them personally or affects somebody that they know. But Walt is somebody that we knew. He's somebody that we all know. Right? I mean, it, we, we've interviewed him a bunch at MMA Junkie. So, I mean, I, yes, I, I know him personally. But, you know, as, a, as an MMA fan, you've seen him. You've, you've heard his interviews. You, you've, you've, you've seen his fights. You've been entertained. This is something that is going to impact him immeasurably in life. And this is someone you know. This is someone from our community, you know. So if you see some type of legislation, or if you believe you have the right answer, if you believe you know what the right legislation is, you know, get it started, get it impacted, you know, get it on bills, go and vote for it, go make it happen, get involved. If you see something, say something, and get involved. If you hear of this act, support it, please, <laughs> support it. And again, I'm not a political person, and again, I'm 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 sure. Whatever's written won't be perfect. I do I do understand that people deserve the right to justice. But it just doesn't seem right to me. This just seems like it was somehow preventable. Like this was a mistake in our justice system. So um heart goes out to Walt, man. It really does. I, I just it's senseless. It's senseless. Um, like I said, no, no easy way into that, no easy way out of it either. Um, but it definitely had to be said, um, on a much, much different note and a much brighter note. Um, I will say that, uh, over the next month or so, keep it on MMA junkie. We're going to have some cool, um, best of the decade content coming your way. Um, it's, it's some stuff that we're doing. I mean, uh, the end of a 10 year period begs to be reviewed and looked at and discussed, um, and, and, and we've come up with some good stuff. Simon Simonino, uh, our managing editor, he had some, some concepts and, and, uh, that, that he's putting into place. And, um, we, uh, we've already started the, the development of them. And I can tell you, uh, it got some pretty aggressive bickering going on <laughs> in our own staff. So, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for, uh, for some end of decade stuff. And uh, speaking of uh, other things to keep an eye for, uh, I, I want to say, give an official welcome. You know, Danny Segura is now part of the MMA Junkie team. He's kind of been, uh, not necessarily behind the scenes, but he's been doing some some training and, and uh, uh, you know, working with Simon Simano to get set up. And, you know, it takes a little time to get in the system and just get all that stuff done. But, of course, you know, he used to be a part of the MMA fighting team. Uh, he's based out in New York, so I'm sure you'll see him at a lot of our East Coast shows and New York shows, that sort of thing. Um, but you, you know, you're going to see him involved in some more stuff. And, and he did something new this week, pretty cool using the USA Today's New York offices. Now you're going to see bits and pieces of this video as well, but, um, I thought it'd be a cool way to kind of introduce him to the MMA junkie team, man. He sat down and had an extended interview, uh, via Skype, 
with Michael Chiesa. And, of course, Michael Chiesa has a big fight coming up with Rafael Dos Anjos in, uh, in, in the new year. And uh, Danny Segura did this video Skype interview, which I encourage you, if you want to check out the full thing, uh, it's it's the full interview is on YouTube. And then we've also got some, some cut-down moments of this that will be in different uh, video packages, different stories that we have on MMA Junkie. Um, Abby Saban, our, our videographer over there in uh, England, he did the edit on it. He did a fantastic job. Um, syncing up the two camera files, laying some nice B-roll over the top of it. It looks really, really good. So it's worth checking out on video, but I know sometimes you know that long of a video might be might be tough to digest for a lot of people. Um, but in audio form, sometimes it's a little bit easier. So I thought, you know what, what, what better way to kind of bring an official welcome of Danny Segura to the team um, and, and let you know that he's started and he's contributing right away than to than to play his interview uh, with Michael Chiesa. So this is. Uh, this is Danny Segura, and I think I wouldn't necessarily say his. Well, I guess it's his roadshow debut. We'll definitely have him on individually as well. Uh, we had, we had, we were talking to him. It was kind of uh, he, you know during the last New York Fight Week, uh, we knew behind the scenes what was happening, but he he was still kind of grinding with his own team, so we couldn't do much that week. I was kind of hoping to sneak him on the show that week and have a have a little uh, have a little pre announcement introduction to Danny Segura as well. Didn't quite get that done, but uh, listen, right out of the gate, uh, he's doing some big stuff, and, and he's going to be trying to do some new stuff uh, out there in New York. So uh, without further ado, here's Michael Chiesa with Danny Segura. Danny Segura here for MMAJunkie.com. We're here in our New York City studios. Today, we'll be chatting with a former champion of the Ultimate Fighter, a man who somewhat recently switched weight classes and has been killing it since his switch of divisions. Uh, he also has a pretty big fight coming up, and I also heard... He's the biggest Pearl Jam fan in the world. Of course, we are talking about Michael Chiesa, who joins us via Skype. Hey, Michael, how are you? Uh, I'm doing really good, man. Just uh, out in Spokane right now, enjoying this windy weather. So Matt Erickson from our site told me that uh, you're the biggest Pearl Jam fan in the world. Is that is that correct? Dude, 100%. Yeah, diehard Pearl Jam fan. Uh, it's like one of my first CDs I ever got growing up. And you couple that with the fact that Sam Cecilia, my teammate, uh, he's never... He he's the he's what inspired me to become such a big Pearl Jam fan. So uh, you put the two of us together, yeah, we're we are diehards. We long live Eddie, dude. He's the last front man alive from the grunge era. So you gotta love the guy. You gotta love the band. What's what's your go-to song? If we were in the car right now and I'd be like, Papa, a Pearl Jam song. What's what's your choosing? It that that depends on what we're about to do. You know what I mean? If I uh, if I've had a couple cold ones and I feel like you know. Drunk dialing Sam. I'm gonna listen to Yellow Lead Better because that's his favorite song. He danced. He actually danced to his wife at his wedding to it. Um, if I'm getting like getting ready to go to go go train or go snowboard or something, I'll listen to Why or Once. Um, I listen to a lot of their live stuff too. So uh, you know, I'm just I like all their stuff. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about your fighting career. It's it's getting pretty interesting. You got a a big fight coming up. You'll be fighting former UFC champion Rafael dos Anjos at welterweight uh, on January 25th, part of the UFC Rally. Uh, card in North Carolina. Um, f first of all, how did this bout come together? Because this is a, a pretty big bout in that division. Yeah. Um, well, it, it got offered to me a, a lot earlier, a lot earlier this year, and just at the at that point in time, I was going through some family stuff and just needed to kind of handle that before I could before I could jump into a fight. And uh, so I've kind of known it was on the radar for a while, but I kind of thought that it would fall off the table. You know, I'm, um, you know, I would just. Just because you know matchups can change, and I know that's the direction they wanted to go, and um, the matchup the matchup stuck. So 
to my understanding, I think that he asked for the fight and you know, I'm super stoked on it. You know, it's, um, these, these, these waters at welterweight are pretty murky right now. There's a lot of deep, there's a lot of good talent outside of the, of the top 15. It's pretty deep. And, um, you know, so it's like when you got a guy like Rafael dos Anjos, you know, asking to fight you, you jump all over it. You know what I mean? And I like the way I match up with the guy. Um, and it's a good gauge to see where I'm at. This guy has, I mean, everybody wants to knack the guy for, you know, losing what he's like one, one, one in his last four, but it's like, look who he's lost to. He's lost to the best. You know what I mean? And it's not like he got his shit kicked in, you know, he was in using competitive fights with the best guys in the division. So, um, you know, I'm not here to, I'm not in this sport to be anything less than the best. So this is, this is the right fight for me right now. And, and I'm, I'm excited for January 25th. I know uh, a while ago you said that uh, you wanted to renegotiate your contract and part of that you know, negotiation was getting a, a ranked opponent. Um, is this sort of the perfect case scenario for you? Was, was this guy at the top of your list or were there other names that you were interested in? Uh, you know, I kind of got over the, the part of having a name. You know what I mean? Like I kind of lobbied for the Neil Magny fight. And I didn't like the, I kind of fell into that rut of like all these guys call out Neil Magny. And I'm like, God, I don't want to be one of those guys because that's not why I'm doing it. You know what I mean? But I just decided to disregard names and just say, you know, going into this new deal, I want to fight a ranked guy. And I think the UFC, I think they wanted to put me there. I mean, when I left the rankings at lightweight, I was ranked number nine. So it's like, it, it only makes sense to put me in there against these ranked guys. And, you know, it's, it's. I'm, I got, I got all that and then some, you know what I mean? To get a chance to fight a guy, not, not only is he in the top 15, this guy's, you know, number five or number six in the world right now. I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm pumped. This, this is what I want. I feel, I feel the least amount of pressure when I'm fighting the better guy. So have, have you, have, has the UFC told you what your placement is going to be on this card? Cause as you said, it's pretty stacked, but this is a very important fight. Um, I'm, I'm, I know it's going to be the main card. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it is, um, you know, we'll see, you know, they haven't said anything to me about that. Um, you know, but we'll find out either way. It doesn't matter to me. It can be the first fight on the card. It can be the last fight on the card. I get, a, I get a chance to fight Rafael dos Anjos guy. I got a lot of respect for. So card placement doesn't matter to me. I'm just excited for the opportunity to compete against him for sure. And, uh, you said that you negotiated a, a new contract. You're, you're happy with, with what you got and how many fights did you get? Um, uh, very happy with the deal. Pretty sure it's a five fight deal. Um, I can't really say too much about the language of it, but there's some things in there that I really like that I hadn't had in my contracts before. Um, the things that kind of match up to my ultimate goal, you know what I mean? So that's about all I can say about it, but I'm very pleased with where I'm at. Shout out to Daniel Rubenstein for getting the job done. You crazy guy. <laughs> You've been now fighting at welterweight for two fights. How, how do you feel like, do you feel like a welterweight now? Um, and I guess how has your experience been in this new weight class? So far, Dude, you're it's, doing pretty good. It's been, it's been unreal. And I think it's funny that a lot of these guys, um, you know, I saw Randy Brown's call out, which I thought was funny. And I saw in one of his interviews, you know, I pay, I pay close attention to these things. Whether you call me out or not, if there's a welterweight fighting on a UFC card, I watch your fight. I watch your interviews. I, I, I'm very attentive of everything that goes on in my weight class. And when he tried to say, he's like, he's not even a real welterweight. He hasn't even fought real welterweights. I'm like, dude, if you saw how big I am in real life, you would shit your pants. Like, I am not a fucking 55-pounder anymore. I'm six foot two. I'm 200 pounds in shape. Like, I'm not, I'm not a lightweight anymore. It's just these guys, if anybody goes into a fight thinking I'm really not a welterweight, then they're making a really big mistake. You know what I mean? Um, but, it, you know, this, this has just been awesome. You know, when, when I was fighting at 55, I just started to kind of get burned out on the sport. You know what I mean? And that's like, 
it wasn't making sense to me. I'm like, I'm not even 30. These guys have these long careers. Why is this so hard for me? And it wasn't like, I'm a mentally tough guy. I love my job, but I couldn't really put my finger on it until it kind of dawned on me when I had to kind of, after the Pettis fight, I need to look at the big picture. And, and it's like, you know, you need to go up a weight class. And ever since I've done that, I feel like I just started my career over again. You know, I have, I'm training all the time. I never want to break. You know, when I fought at 55, I get done with the fight and it's like, I don't even want to touch the gym for a month. I'm burned out. You know what I mean? Those camps, the camps at welterweight are tougher, but my body can handle it because I can eat and I can nurture myself. You know, a camp for 155 is like all my training, but you have to finish the night with, you know, a five mile run every night, you know? And it's just like, that's not the way a camp should be. A camp should be, you should be run down and tired from just training for your fight, not training for the scale. I guess, how would you look back at your career at 155? Um, and do you wish you would have maybe done the switch uh, sooner? No, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I, I'm, there's no way I could have, you know what I mean? Things really got hard for me once I got ranked. So it's like, I'm, you know, like I said earlier, like I expect to be nothing less than a world champion by the time I hang up my gloves. You know what I mean? I, I will be, I will win a world title one day. That's, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. And so when, when that, that's the ultimate goal, and I'm finally getting myself in a real position to where I can make that happen. I can't just pull back and say, okay, I need to change something now. It's like, you know, you just have to deal with it, you know, and, and, uh, fighting such a learning experience throughout your whole career. Like it, you don't, you don't figure things out until you come up short somewhere. You know what I mean? And it took the, it took a few hiccups in my fights with Kevin and, and Pettis in a botched weight cut for me to kind of learn like, Hey, you, you know, you got to look back, you got to, you got to fix things. You know, you don't fix things when you win, you fix things when you lose, you fix things when you fuck up. So it's like, sorry, when you mess up. So it's like, that's, that's, that's kind of part of this whole martial arts experience is you just got to fix things, um, at the proper time. And it, I would never look back on my career at 55 and think it was a bust. You know what I mean? I, I won the show back when I was still a, a, a lightweight, you know, I won one of the toughest seasons of the ultimate fighter, if not the toughest, you know, I got a lock horns and some really tough fighters. I had some fun fights. You know, I won some bonuses. I got some fight of the nights. Like it was, yeah, it was a good run. But now I feel like I can put on even better performances than I did before. And that's given me a lot of hope that I can really make this. Like I, I'm really starting to really, truly, genuinely believe that I, like the vision is real. I, I'm going to be a world champion someday. You know what I mean? It's not just a hope anymore. It's a true, true belief, you know, so it's uh, it's it's an exciting time right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think weight cutting at, at some point is going to become obsolete? Because it seems that's the way it's going, at least weight cutting as we know it. I'm sure, obviously, there'll be some sort of cut to, to make the, the weight class. But as far as like really draining yourself, it seems that's starting to go away. Yeah, and, and it's, not, it's not the UFC enforcing anything. I don't think it, it's the state athletic commissions and them changing their rules and regulations. I don't think that's what's making these, this, this trend kind of sway away from extreme weight cutting. I think it's guys that get on the front, get, get out as front runners, like Dustin Poirier, Daniel Cormier, you know, these guys that were, that are amazing fighters. You see the success they have going up in weight. It's like, well, you know, it's not like you look at it like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Like, it's not like you're looking at it, like downplaying what they're doing, but it's like, wow, look at the success that they're having by eliminating this. You know, for me, the biggest one for me was Dustin Poirier. You know what I mean? Because I, when he was at 45, I remember seeing him at the airport one time and was like, dude, this guy is like wide. He is barrel chested. That is a very, that's a big 55 pounder and he's cutting to 45, you know? So 
it, I would see him and be like, well, I'm not alone. At least I'm not the only guy that's cutting a ton of weight. And I saw him go up in weight class and saw the success he was having. I mean, look at his win streak he had going into that Khabib fight. I was like, you know what? Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe, maybe I need to make a change in my weight class. Like, look at the success Dustin Poirier is having, you know? Now, now, you know, look at what he's doing. There's no reason why I shouldn't give myself the opportunity to do the same thing. You know what I mean? And I just think that with, with my style of fighting, I just don't think weight cutting really makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people will say, well, you're a grappler and cutting the most amount of weight makes the most sense. So you can be the biggest guy. And it's like, no, I really disagree with that. I think that if you're going to be a grappler, you need to lift a lot of weights. You need to get really physically strong and fast and you need to work on your strength conditioning as a whole. And you can't do that if you're going to cut a bunch of weight. You have to put the weights down and you have to run a lot and you got to thin, you got to get thinner, you got to lean out in a, in a, in a crazy amount of ways in a, and it's like, yeah, this doesn't make sense for my style. I need to not cut a ton of weight. I need to hit the weights more. It's like the polar opposite. So seeing Dustin Poirier's success was, was really what kind of like influenced me to, to make that jump. Yeah, and it, 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 thank it you, almost du- felt thank like you, Dustin Poirier. I really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Have you told him that? No, but I seriously would if I ever saw him. You know what I mean? I, I, I would, th- I would say that. And you know, maybe some other guys have said that too. But that would be a guy like if I saw Dustin, I would definitely be like, hey, by the way, thanks. You know what I mean? You're leading. He's you're kind of leading the charge, and I and you are right. Like the trend is slowly starting to die down a little bit, and it's uh, it's a good thing, man. Uh, a couple of things uh, on, on your opponent, RDA. As you said, you know, he, he's had some losses a, as of late, but, you know, those losses have come to Leon Edwards and then the two guys that are fighting for the title at 245, right? Uh, Kamara Usman and, and Colby Covington. Um, in, in your mind, um, sure, he's not a champion anymore, but he's still a top five fighter, right? Is this the most dangerous fight you've, you've, uh, you've ever taken? Yeah, for sure. Hands down. It- the most dangerous guy yes but i don't really look at it as like a dangerous fight like a dangerous fight is like um you know you've lost your last two fights and you're fighting carlos condit that's to me is a dangerous fight because it's like the do or die the pressure of you know like winning and keeping your job and or losing and, and getting cut that that's a dangerous fight you know what i mean is this one of the most dangerous guys yeah 100 but like I said, the dude, the pressure is off. And when the pressure is off and I can have fun, that's when I fight my complete best. You know what I mean? Like two wins in a row, fighting a top ranked guy. Not a lot of people are probably counting me to win this fight. Like, dude, let's just go out and have fun. Let's just train as hard as you possibly can. Implement your game plan. Go out and fight this guy bell to bell. And I believe I'm going to beat him. You know what I mean? And and is, even though I have respect for the guy, we all need to say that we believe we can beat our opponents we, when we are assigned to fight them. Like, he should say the same thing about me, and I'm sure he is. He's probably saying he's going to take my head off, and that's great. But, you know, uh, in terms of this being a dangerous fight, I don't think this is a dangerous fight. Do I think this is a dangerous opponent? Absolutely. This guy is tough as shit. So, you know, yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. And uh, I want to talk about your division. Obviously, you said that you pay close attention to it. And you've always have. Every time I've talked to you, you've always paid close attention to, 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 close attention to what's going on around the game. Uh, big fight coming up at UFC 245. Covington versus Usman, or I should say Usman versus Covington. How do you, how do you see that one going? Because that's a tricky one, right? Dude, it's really tricky. I, I, I was very sold on Kamaru. Um, just, you know, the way he beat Woodley. And, you know, I'm thinking like, this is going to be the guy, you know, for a while, you know, he's going to run it for a while. And, and then I saw the way Covington fought Lawler and 
to throw over 500 strikes in a fight and, and you're a wrestler. It's like, all right, now this kind of changes the whole dynamic of the way I look at this matchup. Um, I don't think Usman really gets tired in his fights, but he's just, uh, you know, the, he, he relies on the grinding a lot more where Covington showed that he can rely on volume striking and, and mixing that in with his wrestling. That could be frustrating for a guy like Kamaru. Um, it's just a t- dude. It's a really tough matchup. I mean, it's this is either going to be one of those fights where the the, the wrestling credentials are going to negate each other, and this could be a crazy stand up fight, or um, it's going to be one guy just totally superiorly wrestling the other. I don't think that it, it's either going to be a stand up fight, or I think one guy's wrestling is going to be better than the others, and they're going to be able to floor him. You know what I mean? I don't see there being a ton of wrestling exchanges. I think it's going to be an instance where. Whoever it is, I mean, if you look on paper, you're going to say Covington's the better wrestler because he wrestled Division One. Um, you know, he wrestled at Oregon State. Pretty sure he was an All-American. Um, yeah, on paper, you would say probably him, but, you, dude, you never know. So uh, it's either going to be a, a striking battle or just one guy's going to surprise the other with the wrestling and be able to keep him on the ground, keep him in their wheelhouse. Uh, I'll be there to see it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited to watch the fight for sure. Yeah. And it seems also like if you beat RDA, he's a top five guy. It seems where the room to, to keep climbing is, is very small. I mean, you could be, if, especially if you get a convincing win, you could be a win or two away from, from perhaps a title shot, right? Oh, 100%. And this is one of those things where I beat a guy like RDA, you know, I'm, there's no backward steps from there. Like you not are going to, it's either going to be a guy ranked higher and that's it you know what i mean so no backward steps that's the way i look at it once you get in the rankings it's like you got to just keep stepping forward until you lose to the guy ahead of you and then you can start considering guys below you but um this is really the opportunity for me to to make a big leap in my career um a big leap in my skills and, and you know this is a this this is dude this is what it's all about for me i can't emphasize it enough i'm like I'm finally in this position that, that I've wanted to be in for so long where it's, I, I get a fight, a guy like RDA, you know what I mean? Like the, it's, he is t- truly top five. There is these big ramifications, these, this, this situation I've always wanted to be in, you know what I mean? Where it's, it's, you know, right on the brink of the big fight. Yeah. This is what it's all about. And, and it couldn't have happened to me at a better time. 31 years old, about to be 32. I'm in my prime. Everything's clicking. You know, my camp is right. Everything's good. Like, my home life's good. My social life is great. You know, like, I, everything is perfect right now. So, if there's no better time for a fight like this than right now. Yeah. And uh, it seems like, you know, as you mentioned, like, you could be right there if, if you get a, a big win. And you mentioned how the the waters at Welterweight are, are kind of murky. But looking where, where you came from, right, 155, it seems it's, it's, a, it's a much easier path here, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that made 155 different is, is you know, the, the, the Conor McGregor factor. You had at one point in time when I was still at lightweight, you had interim champion, Tony Ferguson, undisputed champion, Khabib. And then you still had Conor. You know, it was this was before he lost to Khabib. It's where Conor was still in a position where he could just jump in whenever he wants, you know, as he should be. Into, people will hate that I say this, but he, uh, a guy that simultaneously won two belts two different weight classes he there is a sense of you know he should be entitled to to do those things at that point in time maybe not so much anymore after the khabib loss and and you know them kind of moving on with the titles but at that time there was basically three champions there was three champions at, at, at lightweight and it's just was it was too many so 
um, yeah, the, the waters are definitely a lot less murky in that aspect of welterweight, but in terms of talent, it's freaking stacked, dude. There's guys that aren't even ranked that are tough as nails. You know what I mean? And very similar to lightweight, but you know, that's, those are the fun divisions to be in, man. I'd rather swim with the sharks than swim with the fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, you don't have, uh, three champions. You probably have two, right? If you count the BMF title now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's. Now that, you, now that you bring the BMF title into it, and technically Colby's still running around with his interim championship, yeah, it's, it's just as fucked. <laughs> but, I mean, at least those two are fighting, right? So you'll get some yeah. sort of resolution soon. That, um, that takes real, real, one out. Yeah. That takes one out for sure. Real quick, what, what are your thoughts on on the whole BMF thing and, and just some sort of Masvidal's rise? Because maybe a lot of people don't, don't know, but you fought him way back when. You guys, you guys uh, went and had a, a nice little scrap. Yeah, we got robbed to fight of the night. Yeah, I, hey, he handed me my first pro loss, and I've never learned more about myself as a man and as a fighter in one event. You know what I mean? Like that guy, he taught me a lot of things about myself. I learned, a, Joe Silva said this to me. His exact words were, we're, we're I'm walking to the bus, and of course, you know, walk up to Joe Silva. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry, because I kind of asked for the fight. You know, he, my opponent fell out. I was supposed to fight Ray's Mandati, and when he called me, this is before I let, uh, my managers handle my matchups. I did it myself. He's like, Hey, your opponent fell out. Who do you want to fight? And I'm like, who's available? He named all these guys. Then he said, Hori Maslow. I'm like, Oh, I want to fight him. He's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Why, wh why do you want to fight him? I'm like, he's the toughest guy on the list. And he's just like, well, are you sure that's the fight you want? Cause I don't think, you know, he did, not like he said no, but he just kind of was like almost kind of trying to be like, well, what about these other guys? You know what I mean? And I was like, no, that's who I want. I want him, you know? And he said he, after the fight got over, I went up and apologized and he said, Hey, The lesson that you learned that night, most guys have to learn that lesson taking a total one-sided ass beating and getting totally messed up and busted up and having to go to the hospital. You learned a lot of invaluable lessons without having to take the beating that goes with it. And I was like, you are correct. <laughs> that was a fight I was not ready for at that time. And since then, you know, Jorge's an awesome guy. You know, he's a guy that once in a while we talk, we always talk about maybe going on a skiing trip together or something. And it's rocky and apollo you know he beat me by one second there's one second one second you know so it's uh he's a good guy and with the bmf title like do both those guys deserve it you know what i mean like everybody wants to get pissed off about them creating an event around two guys and it's a title and it's not to a weight class and all this stuff and it's like you know what as a fighter i'm biased i say who cares like these guys deserve it these guys deserve a big payday It's a polarizing matchup, East versus West. You know, it's it's everything you want as a fan and more. You know what I mean? So to, to make that fight, yeah, you make a freaking belt for it. Who cares? Boxing makes weight classes and shit all the time. There's a hundred different million weight classes in boxing. Like, who cares if we make up a title for one of the biggest freaking events that we've had in the last five years? Like, do those guys deserve they – they, they deserve all that and then some. And now the things you can do with Hori Masters and all – Screw it. Set him up in a boxing match. You know what I mean? Like, let him do it. Jorge is in a great position that he can be whatever he wants to be. If he wants to jump into the title fight after 245, he can do that. If he really wanted to get a boxing match with Canelo Alvarez, you could probably make it happen. You know what I mean? People love these crossover fights. Uh, you know, I don't disagree with him at all. Um, he's in a good position, man. And Nate is as well. And both of those guys deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems... Almost all the fighters that I talk to and I ask them about Masvidal, it seems they're all happy for him. I mean, um, you can make some different scenarios with other fighters where fighters, you know, there's there's some hate. But with Masvidal, everyone's like, yeah, that guy deserves it, like, for the most part. Dude, he, dude is the, he is the 
he's a living example of the American dream. You know what I mean? The way his father came into the United States, you know, him and his path to the position that he's announced just, it's it embodies the American dream. And he's like, like him and Nate, they're both, they both embody the, the American dream coming, coming from nothing and, you know, turning their lives into something great. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing for both guys. And, you know, it's cool for me because I can say, you know, I can look back on my career and say, I actually fought the, the BMF champion one time and I actually gave him a good run for his money, you know. So it's it's cool to see him have his success and same with Nate, you know, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. How, how old were you when you fought him, by the way? Because that was, that was a while back. Uh, that was 2013, so I was 25 yeah, six six years ago, young and dumb, dude, wanting to wanting to fight the guy that was in the backyard street fights. I was not ready for that at the time. I thought I was, but I wasn't. It's been a, a wonderful chat. Um, look forward to your fight on January twenty fifth against RDA. It's gonna be it's a very important fight, but stylistically, I think it's gonna be a banger. That's a that's a very good matchup. So best of luck for you there, and thank you so much for doing this interview. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. All right, Michael Kiesa, always a great interview. Danny did a good job with that, and uh, I said it sounded good, man. And and you, if you, if you check out any of the video that goes along with it, it looks good. So uh, he, do, he did a good job with the technology out there. Again, obviously, Juan did a great job on the video edit as well. Um, but some good stuff, man. Michael Kiesa just sounds like he's in a good place, man. And um, man, a good dude. It's been fun to, to to watch him grow as a person. Of course, you know he had a, a very tragic entrance into the UFC as well with his father passing away. Just as he started on the Ultimate Fighter, I mean, what a what a wild situation to be in. Uh, but man, he he continues to grow as a person, uh, as a fighter. Uh, was reminiscing the other day with Dan Tom about uh, the, the the announcing gig that My Michael Kess and I did together uh, out in out in Italy several years back for Venator. That was the night that Emil Mech uh, beat Husamar Palhares. There was a couple other guys that made it to the big show off of that card as well. Uh, so it was a fun, fun event, man. I had a really good time calling fights with, with Michael Chiesa. I think, we, I think we called like 19 fights that night or something. That was crazy. Uh, but he's a good dude, man, and, and uh, that's a big, big fight, man. As he said, man, there's no going back. You beat a guy like RDA. So um, I'm excited for that one. Uh, listen, uh, holidays, I want everybody to enjoy that weekend. I appreciate you uh, letting me have a little bit of your time. Hopefully we provide a little bit of entertainment on a slow weekend. There's not a ton of content coming out. Uh, next week I will be in Dallas. I'm going home just to to visit family for a couple days. Uh, my son's going to go out there as well. He's actually going to compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament while we're out there in Dallas. But uh, kind of going out there to see family and, and uh, make a little holiday trip of it. Um, before the, the flights get super, super expensive later in December. So we'll be out there. Uh, maybe we can get Cole Coffee to jump on or, or do a little something since he won't be on vacation. Maybe uh, maybe we'll do something via phone or maybe we'll get him to do a segment. We'll, we'll get him back involved somehow. But after that, uh, the week after that will, of course, be USC 245. So we'll be grinding on full cylinders there. Uh, Simon Head just found out that he's going to be in town as well. He's, he's uh, freelancing on the side for some for some other folks as well. Um, but he's going to help out with MMA Junkie coverage while he's in Las Vegas for UFC 245. And I bet we can sneak him on the road show because he's always fun to talk to. So anyway, uh, I'll let you get back to your turkey. Hopefully you got some leftovers. Hopefully you don't uh, get stuck in any uh, of, of that crazy, crazy shopping that goes on this weekend. Uh, hopefully just everybody has a nice relaxing weekend and uh, thanks for listening